Welcome to Food and Loathing, perhaps Las Vegas's most viral podcast. And by that, I mean the only podcast I know of where the hosts were confirmed to have the COVID-19 virus last week. <laughs> Oh man, I'm your host, Al Mancini, and yes, less than 24 hours after wrapping up last week's episode, our producer Rich Johnson and I both tested positive for COVID-19. Given that those <laughs> test strips seem to be um, lighting up more regularly than the loosest of Fremont Street slot machines these days, it was probably just a matter of time. Honestly, I had tested after my Allegiant Stadium trip um, you yeah. know, because I wanted to make sure I was safe walking into Carver Steak last week. And just hours before we were together, I tested negative and um, was feeling OK, but then had a you know rough night the next night and tested positive the next day. So that is just life in Las yeah. Vegas with the Rona, right? man how are you feeling Rich? i was it really walked up slowly on me i was feeling a little off but then i can easily feel a little off after you know two-thirds of a bottle of of wine and a nice dinner or which i'd had the night before or something like it and i didn't give it a thought and then the next day after we recorded i had more and i thought well okay let's see what i can do and that's when all these lines here in las vegas the lines to go get COVID testing are insane. They're two, three hour waits. People are lining up in their cars for a mile or two, filling up the parking lots of uh, closed casinos and the old Sam Boyd Stadium uh, east of the uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. My wife's employer did a text as I'm going all over the place trying to make appointments online and failing at every turn. And she said, well, the little uh, refill pharmacy next to the Domino's in the strip mall here. They've got them. And I just got in a car and got down there and they said, yeah, what's the deal? We got them. So I bought several. I told you about it. I don't know if you went over there or not. Yeah, I went over there. I got some. That was cool. Um, I got myself through. I have still, I think I have one left over. My wife has been yeah. testing negative through this whole thing, uh, despite being in the house with me and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, we are thankful for that. I, glad we had the vaccine and the boosters and all of that. Yes, yeah, it yes. Was, it, it was relatively mild, I, I have to say. Um, I did get a bit more of the brain fog than I've gotten in the past. And, you know, talk about things that make you feel like you had yeah. a half a bottle of wine or a couple of bottles of wine. I mean, yeah. I did. I was feeling a little foggy. And, you know, I'm in the middle of a lot of projects, as are you. And, um, you know, 12, 14 hour days are not unusual for us. Yeah. I was getting knocked out after an eight hour day to the point where I was just like, I can't think at all all yeah. or you know maybe i do a five-hour shift in the morning take a two-hour nap do another five-hour shift yeah that's not bad i mean you know i've had h1n1 when that was the hip new um, oh you virus. are a hip and, guy yeah yeah and i was knocked out couldn't get out of bed for days so i mean you know yeah. i was working five six hour shifts taking a nap getting back doing some more work um you know quarantining my dog went nuts didn't know why everybody was in the house <laughs> for a week we eventually sent him over to play with somebody ziggy was over at our friend Kay his house for a few days um my wife and i had some privacy but we're not up to doing anything with it unfortunately yeah my wife still as we record this tested positive this morning so she's got she's feeling much better but still gets the two little lines the purple and the blue lines. so uh uh we're still well, semi-quarantining here nobody should ever take medical advice from me 
or anybody that they hear on a podcast <laughs> unless it's a, a medical doctor. But I will tell you that some of my doctor friends have said, like, look, when you start to get asymptomatic, don't worry if you're testing positive anymore. Like if, if your symptoms pass, you may have enough in you to test you positive. But that according to CDC even and he sent me, yeah. over, you know, one of them sent me CDC guidelines that said, don't obsess on whether you're still testing positive. If you tested positive, if you did the quarantine time um, from the start and if you're now asymptomatic, you could sort of go about your life. But we know yeah. mask up, of course, oh, always yeah. mask up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so that's where we're at. So, yeah, nobody cares about, I guess, this because you're all going through this in your personal lives. But I hope we ease your pain and let you know you're not alone. Um, but the show must go on. I'm a firm yes. believer in that. And so we're going to do the the got the Rona episode of <laughs> this. <laughs> Given our quarantine of the past week or so, perhaps we should call what we normally this is where we say, what have we done this week? Right. So that was it. We just gave you the update on what we've done this week. More <laughs> importantly, for the foodies out there, what haven't we done? As in what oh, were we forced to miss, man? I missed one of the things I've been looking forward to for about two months. I produce a, a podcast called On the Corner of Main Street, the uh, only podcast produced by a Las Vegas hotel, in this case, the Plaza Hotel and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Last week, they celebrated the 10th anniversary of Oscar's Steakhouse. They had another edition of the Oscar Dinner Series in which former Mayor Oscar Goodman, the restaurant namesake, tells stories from his two careers as mob lawyer and mayor. And they also had a roast of the mayor, Johnny Katz, Chris Phillips, Murray Sawchuck, I mean, among those That's roasting like shooting fish in a barrel. Oh, it, yeah, man? yeah. Like target Oscar. rich opportunity. <laughs> and I had to miss all that. I'm still awaiting the audio from the event so I can turn it into the next edition of the uh, the podcast there. I spent a lot of time at home making comfort dinners, uh, roast chicken, nice New York strip, baked potato, green beans, simple stuff. Uh, illness is also when I break out all the childhood food toys. In this case, it was the Oreos and Lipton soup, onion mix, chip dip, and a little Indian takeout. So uh, I have I, not done that Lipton soup, onion soup, and sour cream. Um, I think yeah. last time I made that, I was made, living in Garfield, New Jersey, in like 1989. Man, I, you know, <laughs> in the past, I have tried commercial chip dips. Uh, the big brand out here was uh, Nally's when I was a kid in, in the Northwest and a couple of other Reesers, of course. And they just, they're, they're too sweet. They're too full of corn syrup. So I really do like going back to the Lipton onion soup mix and the chip dip. And I actually put more sour cream in uh, to make it a little lighter and oh, good stuff. Cool. Well, I'm glad you got to reconnect <laughs> with that. Hey, speaking of Oscars, man, um, was it on um, our friend Scott Robin was Vital Vegas? I'm not sure. Somebody posting either artist renderings or photos of a new patio, like a raised patio, yes, outdoor yes. patio at Oscars that's going to happen. Do you they, know anything about that? They announced that at that dinner and they showed off this this rendering. What is, they used to have a little beer garden at street level right off their little food court. And that didn't last very long, but they're going to build out that space and build up from that space. So right off the end of the bar they'll have to take out a couple of booths and it open up into this patio and have more seating because they have been very full uh, even though they're still not open seven days a week anymore uh but, but it's a high demand place the folks who've come in there and up the uh, menu they they need the space and having an outdoor patio steakhouse on main street it really won't be on fremont it's on main that'll be very cool 
Yeah, I'm excited to see that. I mean, I look, Oscars, I've had I've mixed experiences there. I like the place. I love the vibe. I love the atmosphere. I've had good food and I've had mediocre food, never had bad food. Um, but, you know, I know they have up their game since last time I've been there. So I'm excited to get back in. And I think that patio yeah. is going to be a huge draw. So Ben um, Jenkins is the guy who has been running it for the last year and a half or so. Ben Jenkins, formerly of the Mina Group. Yes, indeed. Right? And yeah, yeah fantastic Hawaii. chef. And I have not been in there since Ben has taken over. And so that is why I, I, I everything's out the ah. window when Ben comes into a building. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. You know, we, we talked all the time about how Mina Group has, you know, created yeah. some of the better chefs in Las Vegas. And Ben came into that while I was oh, actually in the middle of the Rona, right? I mean, we're yeah. in the middle of the pandemic, so I haven't made it over there. So, yeah, that that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, I'm I have that. I have vouchers. I'll take you. You got vouchers. You got coupons. I, I got trade out. Yes. <laughs> I got coupons. Cool. Um, let's you had a about- thing, a really one I'm sure you is you're disappointed to have missed. Yeah, I I had to cancel on the Voltaggio brothers. As we mentioned last week, they did a pop up at Harvest in Bellagio and I was supposed to preview it and interview them. Um, But I didn't want to infect them or infect the world. So I graciously bowed out. A few friends of mine who were feeling under the weather also canceled. But I did hear from one Facebook friend um, who told me that the food was good and that the chefs did, in fact, say say that they would love to come to Las Vegas someday. Um, I guess we're going to have to leave it at that for now, I was going to push him hard on that one and put him <laughs> on know. the spot and probably get in trouble with some publicists. So maybe I, uh, I save myself you some, know. some hassles. Once there, you but... own Frederick, Maryland, I mean, what's left? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you maybe they're just happy with their fiefdom in um, Frederick, Maryland. I don't know. <laughs> I also wanted to mention my food delivery during quarantine, not necessarily oh. what I ate, um, although I did have some great dishes from Firefly delivered to my doorstep. But more importantly for me than what I had delivered is how I had it delivered. Look, one of the big long-term stories I covered for the Review Journal during during, um, this whole COVID crisis was the uproar over high fees. Some might say outlandishly high fees. The big delivery companies charge restaurants. I mean, man, I spent a lot of time at county commission meetings. I spoke with the commissioners, spent a lot of time interviewing restaurateurs, a lot of time trying to give equal time to the big companies. I'm listening to sometimes questioning their lawyers, their spokespeople. Um, honestly, every interaction with those big companies left me with a very bitter, bitter taste in my mouth for that industry. Um, you know, I always try to be fair and honest in my reporting, report both sides. And if someone from DoorDash or Uber Eats or wherever wants to come on this show, I will give them a chance to defend themselves. But in my personal life, the Al Mancini dollar spent, unless the situation <laughs> is dire, my attitude is drum roll, please. Fuck the third party delivery apps for the most part. And um, yeah, you know, I always there's always a nice lead up when I'm going to say fuck to somebody. Right. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I like I to see. really get people. I'd like yeah. to spread those breadcrumbs. You know, it's coming for play. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, so what I did you always, use? Well, look, you know, normally if I want to eat from a restaurant, I eat in my house a lot watching TV a fair amount. Um, but I'll always drive to the restaurant, pick up a takeout order. I place through them. Usually I do it on the phone. I avoid the fees for the restaurant. 
Yeah, I tip as if I'm dining in, but hey, whatever you tip is on you, of course, that's your decision. But um, over the past week, here I am, I'm stuck in the house, I'm hungry, not allowed to eat, can't even go inside, you know, into a restaurant to pick up my delivery. Sue's quarantining with me, delivery is all there is. So what do I do? Right? That's what we're all wondering. What do you do? I finally ordered through Loco. I went back and listened to some old food and clothing podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys. You remember we spoke with um, Kristen Carl, um, who's the owner of uh, Taco Tarian. She's one of the investors in the local Loco, um, the local version of Loco. Uh, I, you know, I went back, I, I listened to that, and I'm, I decided, yes. For those of you who don't remember, Loco is a restaurant co-op. It's owned by local restaurants. They keep the fees to a minimum, at least that is their pitch for the restaurants that are involved in this. And, um, you know, for me, I, I tried them out a little bit when I was reporting on them. At the time, they didn't have an app. So I'm very happy to report right now that they do have an app. Um, I found it in the app store. It took me a couple searches. People wanted to give me El Pollo Loco. And there's one with a, a black logo that seems to be in German or some language I don't speak. <laughs> it may not be German, but you want the one that's in um, peach and pink with the little tilty. Looking at it now. Tilty C, right? So yeah. that that's it's cool. And so I, I downloaded it. And if you open it up, you'll see. Um, you know, it, it takes you to various cities. They have Richmond, Knoxville, Omaha, Tampa Bay, Las Vegas, coming soon, Nashville and Orlando. I don't really care about those other cities. No. So of course, I go to Las Vegas. Um, I'm not going to really critique the app experience because I've been spending my weeks beta testing my own app and I'm frustrated with apps in general. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we'll just I mean, look, it, it, it's I had no problem going through it. I you know, I was able to find it. You look through you know, these guys started off really in downtown Las Vegas and you're going to find a lot more. Um, restaurants in downtown Las Vegas that are represented. But as I started scrolling through, you know, I saw 595 Craft Kitchens not far from me, Big B's Texas Barbecues on here, um, Bronze Cafe in Summerlin, which I love. Um, again, a lot all of these, uh, you know, uh, joints, you know, uh, fast, casual kind of thing. And then in the middle of it all, here's Honey Salt. Yeah, honey yeah. salt, which we that was our that was going to be our second choice that night. We've been eating a lot of honey salt. So um, we decided that we were going to go with Firefly. So we ordered from Firefly, an old, old favorite. I enjoy, you know, no problem placing my order. They told us, you know, then they give you your estimated delivery time. Right. So um, they that's said, a bit of a haul from your house to uh, Firefly. No, no. My Firefly is not very far from my house at all. Oh, I'm, different I'm talking about the one on Buffalo. OK. On Buffalo, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Over here in the kind right. of Warm Springs and Buffalo area, uh, right by a graffiti bow. I, I stand corrected location. Actually, so, um, I remain seated. But it- <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they told me it would be about an hour and 45 minutes to get the food. Uh, it's kind of hard to bitch right now about estimated delivery times, people taking a while. I mean, everything's yeah. overwhelmed. So, you know, if, if I had been starving, I, I would just say be forewarned that you may get a long delivery time. But the truth is I got the um, the text message or whatever. I, for, I think they text messaged me, tell me that the food was on the way. If not, it was an email, but I got that much quicker than that. Uh, less than half the time the food was in my house. They did send me a message to let me know it was coming. So I wasn't surprised by it. We got plenty of notice. Um, we were able to get the dishes out and, you know, get all ready. And um, so probably about 50 minutes from when I placed my order to when the food was in my house, which was really solid. Yeah. Before warned, though, you know, you may get this weird wait time and it's fine. It was all really well packaged. Didn't seem to have been waiting around for long. Um, food held up really well. So I am a fan. 
I recommend going to the app store, searching for Loco, giving it a try. I, I hope nobody out there is um, going to be quarantined. I hope a lot of people aren't stuck quarantining in the weeks to come. But, you know, if you are, <laughs> this is this is definitely a way to go. And, you know, keep keep the money local, keep the fees low for the restaurants. And that's what I'm all about. That's my public service announcement for today. And while we are still holed up at home doing delivery and things like that, yeah. we can still get on the phone or Zoom more specifically. And we're talking about two events today, one that you can participate in and yeah. one that only some of you can participate in. <clears throat> up next, Vegan Food Month and the Fancy Food Show. This is Food and Loathing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Doing things a little differently this week, we have two separate guests joining us on two separate topics during what's usually the main event interview segment of the show. The Fancy Food Show is coming up next month, and we know that a ton of our friends in the business here in Las Vegas have been act anxiously awaiting news on that. But first, one of our very first guests ever on this show, Diana Edelman of Vegans Baby, is a week later than originally planned on a return to the guest seat. But she still has vital information about the last days of Vegas di vegan dining month. You hear that, Rich? I still got a little of that COVID. Yeah, yeah, a little, a little brain cloud. Uh, vegan <laughs> dining month. Anyway, that's what we spoke to Diana about. Diana, how are you in New York City? I am good. How are you? Good. You know, I feel like you're kind of the the my, you should be my secret early warning or my canary in the coal mine because um we you were all set. We were going to come down and record at Carver Steak, and I don't know if you just got some kind of weird um COVID you know premonition, but you know you were the the smart one. You canceled that day because COVID was going around, and um Rich and I were both there, and we both tested positive for about 24 hours later. So I know you would have been losing in your shit had you been oh, in that God. room with us I, I would have it would have been a bad situation <laughs> so yeah that's why i never criticize somebody I'd, I'd much rather somebody cancel on their own so i don't have to feel guilty if they end up getting it from me but you you had a good trip out to las vegas yeah i mean it was it was a little bit quiet because all of my meetings ever, the whole reason i was out there was for work and vegan dining month and everybody got covid so um, I sat around a lot um, and had a lot of Zoom meetings. <laughs> well, that, yeah, wow, that was airfare well spent. But the, right. the reason we wanted to have you on last week was for Vegan Dining Month. I thought it would be a nice counterpoint to our big gigantic segment about eating dead cow. Um, it seems <laughs> only fair, but you, you, we you weren't able to make it. It proved to be a good, you know, good idea that you didn't, but we, you still have a few more days left in vegan dining month. So could you explain, it used to be veganuary, but now it's vegan dining month. What's the deal with that? It, it still is. It's a part of veganuary. It's just not an official veganuary um, sanctioned event. 
So, oh, they have to sanction you to be well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not like the, it's Veganuary is a nonprofit organization. And okay, so like it. it's a whole challenge people take and it's international. And so Vegan Dining Month is to, is designed to complement Veganuary, basically. OK, cool. Well, I did not know. So thank you. Look, yes. I learned every time I talk to you, I learned something, I try, whether it's I about try. elephants or um, <laughs> or Veganuary. Yes. Uh, so. January's Vegan Dining Month. What's that mean for Vegans Baby, your organization, and for local Las Vegas vegan restaurants? So really, the whole reason I created Vegans Baby was to show people that you could go vegan and that vegan dining is accessible and can be approachable. And basically, like, you know, there's always, I can never give up this, I can never give up that. And so I set out to kind of show people, yeah, you can. So Vegan Dining Month, I started basically as a, as a part of the January where people around the world take this challenge to go vegan to, to start the new year for the month. And so I wanted restaurants around the city to kind of have special options for that month and promote it saying, you know, if you're, if you are doing the January, um, here is a great, here are some great restaurants that are supporting you. They have vegan options or they are vegan restaurants with special dishes. Um, and also for the vegan community to kind of encourage them to go support more restaurants, because as, as I'm sure you know, we have a lot of vegan restaurants now. And over the past five, six years since I started Vegans Baby, there have been a lot more restaurants that aren't vegan, but coming up with vegan options. And so I really want people to go out and support those restaurants that are making the effort and giving diners a choice of whether they want to try something vegan or not. I'm holding up um, my new app that oh, I'm still yes. working on, but there's your logo right hey, on it. it so looks good. there's your <laughs> vegan friendly featured list from Vegans Baby that's going to be on um, Neon Feast. But more on that coming. I don't. Anyway, <laughs> I get that. I like to get the plugs in in advance whenever love I can. It. So yes, but I love this idea that you know you don't have to go to a hundred percent vegan restaurant. That you want to get vegans into places that are just trying to offer more options. So how many restaurants mm -hmm. are you, Vegans Baby, featuring during? vegan dining month um upwards almost 30 we had a couple that signed up but unfortunately because of covid and staffing issues they had to uh pull out at the last minute but um yeah we we've got we've got the most i've ever had this year so it's really cool to see and could you give me a couple of examples? I know you love them all and I'm sure you love them all equally, but I love you, them all equally. <laughs> the ones that I love, who would I be most likely to all love? All right, so Barry's Barry's Downtown Prime Steakhouse in the Circa. Steakhouse in the Circa, like Vegas Golden Night partner. They actually have a great vegan menu. And so uh, Chef Barry is doing a vegan meatloaf with truffle shavings on it. And it's one of the best dishes I've ever had. Um, what else? Border Grill has a whole vegan menu for the month. Um, I'm thinking Al's favorite, You or Me Sushi. Just joined. They, they came in a little bit late. But they're doing a um, course menu offering for it. Um, That's really interesting to me, because for yeah. those who don't know, you or me sushi, um, relatively new to the arts district, which, of course, is a relatively new but super red hot district in Las Vegas right now. Great place to walk from restaurant to restaurant bar mm -hmm. to bar. Um, I think you or me sushi right across from Esther's Kitchen and next to Craft House Brewery is a great addition to that neighborhood. Didn't know they did vegan sushi per se. Yes, they have a vegan omakase. Really? And is yeah. that so is that something they just learned how to do for you or have they always no. been into that? They have been vegan friendly since they opened. I get I went in there December 2020 and 
they put together, they, they already had a vegan options on their menu. Um, so they, they've been doing it since, since they opened their doors and the, uh, the chef is great. Their food is wonderful. Wow. Well, you know, for vegan sushi, you turned me on to um, Chikyu over at Silverado yes. Ranch, and I bought my brother a gift certificate to their sister restaurant in San Francisco for Christmas. So that's how much I loved that. So when you tell me vegan <laughs> sushi is good, I know it's going to be good. Yeah. Also, when you tell me something has truffles on it and therefore it's the best you ever had going back to Barry's, I'm like, isn't it sort of cheating? Like we'd all eat vegan if you just put truffles on everything. A little bit, but that's <laughs> the whole point. Like, wouldn't you, what, you would try the option, you know? So that's Absolutely. my goal is to get people to try it. Um, and really Barry's quick, a great chef, by the way, oh, and a very creative so, chef. So, and the, everything on that menu is like, that vegan menu is one of the most exceptional menus in town it's fully plant-based so um you know they're not using mock meats or cheeses like it's not processed it's whole plant food and it's just it's wonderful he's done such a good job and that whole team is great like they have vegan wines on the menu very knowledgeable staff they just they they, they just they knock it out of the park and where can people go for the full list of all of the restaurants that are participating through the end of january and hopefully they'll carry a few of these dishes over um, they can go to vegansbaby.com. Awesome. And hey, while I have you, um, mm -hmm. I just have to ask, you're doing a safari now in South Africa or yes. in somewhere in Africa? Yes, can you just give South me the Africa. bullet points on that one? Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. So I partnered with a tour operator called Alluring Africa, and they are very big into sustainability and conservation. And so I am their official like vegan consultant curator. So I went out to South Africa in October and basically put together a whole vegan tour of Cape Town and a safari. So it's five nights in Cape Town, three on safari. Uh, we're going to one of the top 50 restaurants in the world and doing a vegan tasting menu. We're doing a vegan afternoon tea at this five-star gorgeous hotel and a helicopter ride down the coast, uh, seeing African penguins in like their natural habitat. Um, I think you'd be interested in this. We met a chef and he actually forages his own kelp. And so he's literally going out to the ocean, grabbing the kelp and then making dishes with it. Uh, and then we have the three night safari at this incredible conservation focused um, game reserve. Hey, Rich, I guess we just missed our invitation for that um, trip. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of comps. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could comp that. I mean, the safari alone is $1,300, starting at $1,300 a day. It's, hey, look, I know this people is a have luxury. Spent, I know people have spent $60,000 to do oh, yeah. African safaris, so that doesn't sound ridiculous. Yeah. And no. you get to know no, no animals are harmed so that you can no. get entertainment. And, and exactly. what is, what is the full rate for the whole, the whole deal? Um, it's, uh, oh, 61 50, I believe. And then we have an offer right now for the first five people save $250 on the sign up, and it's May 5th through the 13th. That actually sounds like value. Sounds, it it's a sound good like deal. That. Yeah. I mean, the only it's, so you get like almost all your meals included, um, domestic transport. I'm there the whole time. We have guides the whole time. Um, all the activities on the itinerary, basically the only thing you've got to cover is flights from U.S. to South Africa. And right now they're clocking in at around like $900 and you can fly direct from New York City. So you, once you get to the East Coast, it's just a straight shot down to Cape Town. 
Cool. Well, if any of your friends there want to sponsor a podcast, um, in the meantime, <laughs> I'm going to go count my um, my piggy bank and see what I've got going on. Might, might have to wait till next year for this one. Hey, though, that's but... cool. That's cool. Well, hey, thanks for your time, Diana. It's always <laughs> a pleasure you. to see you. I'm sorry we didn't get to um, hook up in person, but I am glad I didn't give you the Rona. So. Oh, my God. Thank you for not giving me the Rona. I'll be back very soon. You know, I'm in Vegas. You know, it's 50 50. So I'll be back very soon. Next up, a little tease with no payoff if you're not in the restaurant or food business. And we are joined right now by Jill Campbell, the Vice President of Marketing for the Specialty Food Association. Um, But for people like me, we just know um, that company from the Fancy Food Show, which is something that's sort of legendary among foodies. Uh, For a long time, a lot of my friends would always be like, hey, man, I'm going out, going out to the coast for the Fancy Food Show. And people get get super psyched about it. And it has such a fun name, like you almost picture Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I've never been, but I'm finally going to go because it's coming here to Las Vegas, Nevada, and it's right around the corner. Jill, can first of all, welcome. Thank you. Can you tell people what the Fancy Food Show is? Because like I said, it sort of has this legendary status among those who have not attended. I know. It's, it really does have a terrific reputation, and we are so thrilled to be bringing it to Las Vegas. And I'm happy to tell people what the Fancy Food Show is. It began in New York City. In 1952, and historically, it's been the largest dedicated specialty food and beverage trade show in North America. I say trade show because it really is only for specialty food buyers and the makers, the makers who are our members. So the consumer walking in off the street cannot cannot attend, even though they're going to reap the benefits long term of all the wonderful specialty foods and beverages that will be on the market. And what an apt description to reference uh, Willy Wonka, because you can expect everything from chocolate to caviar and cheese to coffee, tea, plant-based foods, and so much more from both domestic and international exhibitors. Wow. Um, yeah, I first heard about it, I think, from um, from a friend, a local here in Las Vegas, Brett Odalenghi. And he was known, of mm-hmm. course, at the time for being a truffle guy and had been nationally featured for truffles. But I know that he would make a pilgrimage out there every year um, because it was in San Francisco for a while. Right. Am I correct on that? Yes. Uh huh. Several years. It's done a little traveling, not much. And believe it or not, this is actually a return to Las Vegas, but it goes so far back. The vast majority of people, even our members, I think, have no idea. I want to say we were there once in the late 1970s. And much like you, this is going to be my first fancy food show, too. So I don't have all of the history, but I know we were there once many, many years ago. Wow. You know, I kind of love, though, that you have such a great name for it, which is the fancy food show, instead of it being some, I don't know, kind of pretentious, you know, like the gourmet, a high end premium <laughs> product show or something like that. You know, I mean, this is because it, it kind of captures that sort of joyful glee that um, that foodies get when they when they just hear some of these uh, ingredients. You know, when somebody talks about truffles or caviar or chocolates or all the things you just mentioned, I mean, you do in a way if if you really have a love of food in your heart, you do kind of revert to childhood, right? And it's just sort of like, ooh, we fancy foods, you know? Yep, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it would be, I think people would be amazed um, and buyers, you know, uh, uh, but even consumers, when they see the, sh- the, the foods and the beverages eventually on the shelves of their favorite stores. And, you know, specialty food appears in so many different stores now. Heck, you can go into your local convenience store or a deli and see salty and sweet snacks or some kind of special 
specialty beverage, because all of this has become so much more mainstream in the last few years that I agree with you. Everybody gets excited about food and, and uh, drinks and, and why not? And this is where they, so many of them originate at the fancy food show, because that's what these makers are all about, creating real innovation in the world of food. And I think that that's really important for people to keep in mind is how quickly things go from being um, th this gourmet idea that is only known by a few people into really the mainstream. And, you know, as you kind of just alluded to, I see things just at the corner, Albertson at the shelf at the checkout counter, right? Like some of these, sure. these gourmet chocolate barks with sea salt and nuts and, you know, things right. like that, that I, I, I feel like just five, maybe 10 years ago, that would have been a very specialty item, but you know, it's delicious and it goes mainstream and things catch on. Um, Absolutely. No, we, we haven't quite seen caviar or truffles catch on, or maybe am I wrong? Are they, um, are, are we seeing a mainstreaming of things of that level as well? Well, you'll definitely see them at our show. And in my world, I like to think um, on special occasions, I mainstream them, but um, you know, you see other kinds of products, probably a little bit more mainstream, but it really is amazing that you can find what still represents specialty food in so many different stores and in so many different outlets and venues now. And that's terrific because this is this industry grows every year. You know, Rich and I, long before we started reporting on food, um, you know, we have a background just of news coverage, Rich more so even than me. Um, but we're we're people who would always go to the Consumer Electronics Show, right? That's the big Vegas trade show. And one of the things you sure. are always on the lookout for are the next big trends. Is mm -hmm. the Fancy Food Show a similar situation where you go and you keep your eyes open to see what's going to be trending over the next year? And if so, any clues based on who's uh, registered already? Uh, it is very much the kind of show that anyone who is interested in trend spotting should go to. And as a matter of fact, we regularly work with experts in the food industry who come to the shows and do exactly that. They trend spot. And then after the show, we work with them and our PR folks to turn it into a press release that goes out to consumer publications and trade publications and talks about all of the exciting new trends that were spotted literally, um, you know, in the makers booths and all the innovation. And in these last couple of years, when we have not been able to get together in person the way we would have liked to, our makers and members have been very busy doing a lot of innovation and they are so excited about putting their new products out there and showing innovation but this is absolutely the kind of show where anyone in the industry will have a front row seat to not only see, but to taste what these trend spotting products are likely to turn into. I can't speak right now to what we're likely to see further into 2022. Um, we know that pasta continues to be amazing, even right down to new shapes for 2022. So, so that's among the early um previews I'll offer, but that's the beauty of this show. You need to come to the show if you're involved in this industry, and this is where you will see what is going to be trending for the rest of the year. You know, uh, Las Vegas has has a lot of great food importers here in this town, a lot of great food suppliers and a lot of great chefs, obviously. And I hope that a few of them listen to this podcast. I know that a few of them listen to this podcast and have been on it. Um, I feel like for the chefs, you know, it, it is interesting as somebody who tries to spot trends myself and goes into restaurants and I'll see sometimes, you know, like three or four of the finest chefs in Las Vegas suddenly become enamored with one hot new ingredient. Right. And it's almost 
almost simultaneously across town. And you'll go, oh, that guy's working with black garlic right now. And that guy's working with it. And this guy's working with it, whatever, just for an example, going back, you know, 15 years. Um, but I assume that this is a way for young, exciting, experimental chefs to find out what's out there. So could you talk about what what this represents for the kitchen chef? These folks don't get out of their kitchens very often. They work super long hours for them to get up early and, and come in in the morning, maybe and see some stuff. It's a bit of a commitment. I know some of them are already longtime um, visitors to the fancy food shows. But for those who are sort of the up and coming new chefs, Explain to them why it's worth it for them to register and, um, you know, what, what it'll cost them to register and come out and then what their, you know, what their experience will be like. How quickly will they be able to incorporate this into their cooking in their restaurant and get some of these things on their menus? Well, really, part of that is up to their own desire. But the idea of coming to this show for chefs is is really a great one, because this is, as we just discussed, this is certainly where they will see. Uh, the latest and the greatest in terms of food innovations and the, the trends that are likely to continue all the way through 2022 and, and even a little bit beyond. Um, this is a perfect opportunity for anyone who is regularly involved in buying, specifying, influencing what is happening in a kitchen, in a restaurant, in a retail store, in so many other outlets, but for the chefs that we're talking about, for them to not only see new sources, talk to passionate makers about what they're doing and why they're doing it, uh, to see packaging, to see and taste samples of products that they may never have seen before because it's a brand new source. And we have international exhibitors. So maybe it's a country they don't normally think about when they think about their kitchens. Um, if, if a chef from an Italian restaurant is there, maybe he hasn't necessarily thought about what's happening in Indonesia or Turkey, but what a great way for him to learn about a new product and potentially sample it and figure out how he might want to, he or she might want to incorporate it into their kitchen. So this is just a great place for them to explore walk around, and we hear this all the time from our attendees and our buyers, that there is an exploring and a discovery aspect to this show as they wander from place to place. Maybe they, they know right away they want to start at the Cheese Pavilion, but as they make their way to the Cheese Pavilion, they bump into something that they never knew they wanted it until they saw it and tasted it. And that's the beauty of this show for really anyone, but for a chef who is looking for something new for his or her kitchen, uh, something they haven't considered before. This is such a great discovery show. Sounds like a blast. Um, you know, we cover, uh, again, you can't be a journalist in Las Vegas and not just go to seminar after seminar and after seminar. I mean, I've been to a million of them, world of concretes going on right now. I'm glad I don't mm -hmm. have to go to that one this year. Um, but, you know, there, there are a lot of aspects. Of course, just walking around, seeing what's on display is a big deal. And for me, that's always the most exciting part of any trade show. Um, but what about educational seminars? Do you do that? And then also the social aspect. Will there be a lot of parties and that kind of stuff? We have a somewhat smaller educational offering this year. You know, this is our first in-person show back after two years of the gift that continues to give uh, COVID. And so we're trying to be very, very safe um, and circumspect about what we're doing. So our education this year at the, at the Winter Fancy Food Show will primarily consist of member make it member maker focused, which means um, if you're a maker, the education is more tailored to your needs and desires and requires an additional purchase. Uh, we have the basics, which takes place before the show opens on Saturday, February 5th. 
where people in the industry can learn soup to nuts about what it is to enter the specialty food industry and what that means, what that entails. And really that actually has application to even the buyer side of the business, because if you're brand new to this, it's a great way to understand how the makers are looking at things and what the makers are learning. So this really applies to both, but it is tailored a little bit more to makers. Um, our other partners, the Fine Chocolate Industry Association, is holding a talk that's free and is open to all badge holders, so both makers and buyers, on Sunday, February 6th from 2 to 3 p.m. Uh, that will be about fine chocolate trends and marketing strategies for specialty food retailers. That's where attendees can discover some more about the trends related to fine chocolate from both uh, SFA and FCIA member and thought leader Matt Caputo. So again, our education this time is a little more tailored to makers, but there's a little something there for the attendee community as well. Well, and then what about parties um, and, uh, you know, the social aspect afterwards? Has that been curbed down significantly with COVID or are you guys going to rage for Vegas? It has. You know, we're really, we want this to be a safe and wonderful experience from everyone, buyers, every attendee that comes to the show, every exhibitor that's at the show, our own staff. We really want this to be safe. So we are kicking off on Sunday with a small happy hour from 5 to 6.30. That'll be outside the Las Vegas Convention Center. We'll have a few food trucks, the wonderful Vegas food trucks available, and all badge holders are welcome to come to that. But that's really the only planned event right now, uh, just because from a safety aspect, so much better to be safe than sorry. Absolutely. Okay. Now I need to get Rich's attention because I want Rich to come down to this show with me, maybe on Monday and possibly um, we'll do some <laughs> live streaming. And if I want Rich's attention for that and I want his time, I know he's a busy guy. Samples are the key. So what's the yes. sample scene like at this? <laughs> it's really important to pace yourself. Do your palate a favor and don't start with a strong cheese or a beverage. You want to ease into things. I have found um, you can create some of the most odd food combinations you'll ever experience, but it's so much fun um, because you're you're putting things together that at an ordinary dinner or at a restaurant, or even if you're go- grocery shopping, you wouldn't necessarily be buying calamari and the next step you'd be buying ice cream. So there's some really amazing food combinations you can create. Um, you might want to plan things in advance. We're going to have an app that's going live very soon. That would really be a great way to help you understand what the show floor looks like, where you want to go next, where you want to visit first, how you might want to map things out. It's literally called Map Your Show. And what are you looking to try at the show? I mean, we've talked about the fact that everything will be there from caviar and chocolate to uh, nuts and iced tea and plant-based foods. So there's really almost nothing in your imagination if it's food related that you can't try. But keep your dinner reservations because we're in such a fabulous um, restaurant and food city, Las Vegas. Why would you want to miss your, your dinner reservations? So, Rich, we sold you. You're going to come down on Monday. Maybe we'll uh, do a little live streaming. <laughs> uh, that is the very definition of a rhetorical question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. I look forward to meeting you at the show. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I know I'm going to gain another 20 pounds on top of my <laughs> COVID weight just being at this show, and it'll be well worth it. So thanks so much. Fabulous. It was great to chat with you today. Thank you. Up next, a little bit of news as Rich and I continue to fight off the Rona. This is Food and Loathing.
It's time for the news, although I'll admit my news gathering has been hampered by being locked in my house. I know a lot of journalists are great at working with phones from their cubicles and staying connected via email. Honestly, that was never my style, much to the chagrin of some of my editors <laughs> over the year. I like to go out and talk to people, and I just haven't been doing that. But I do have a few small notes. We are in what is traditionally the busiest time of the year for Las Vegas as a lot of the big events for the town come into focus. I'm talking about Chinese New Year or the Lunar New Year, to be more specific, the Super Bowl, or if you're promoting an event and don't want to get sued by a rabid team of NFL lawyers, the so-called big, big game, game, the big game. <laughs> and it all leads up to March Madness, of course. If you're coming to town or planning a party for any of them, you honestly, even in the middle of this COVID mess, you had better start making reservations now. And I'm starting to get notices about special events. So just to get you thinking, get you in the mood, get you salivating about what's to come, we're going to share a couple of those. Yeah, our friends at Hakkasan are welcoming the Year of the Tiger with a special prefix menu, signature cocktails, and wishing ribbons. This all starts on Wednesday, February 2nd. You're invited to indulge with the special menu items. And the tradition of wishing ribbons will continue inside the restaurant to bring good fortune for the coming year. February 2nd to the 6th, and again from the 9th to the 13th, the Chinese New Year menu is $128 a person, minimum two guests. There's also a la carte ordering of the menu items. The dishes include the salmon crudo, a trio happiness, dim sum platter, that's baked truffle duck puff, tiger prawn dumpling, and wild mushroom puff, and uh, mainstays like salt crust fortune baked chicken with chestnut shiitake mushrooms and bamboo shoots. There's also the wok fried sea bass and oki mushrooms, spicy sesame soil, or stir fried wagyu beef bone marrow. And I cannot even begin to figure out what kind of soy that is. Osmanthus soy. Osmanthus soy. <laughs> that sounds like a Marvel supervillain that was rejected by Stanley. Uh, as long as it's not Omicron soy, I'm okay, man. <laughs> Omicron variant of concern. Another rejected Marvel uh, supervillain. Uh, all kinds of stuff. There's more in the press release. You get the picture. Hakkasan, that's a pretty darn good value. I have to think about that because you took me there and I had a wonderful time and photographing and, and actually eating. Most I of just got an invite to a, to a preview of this meal. So um, oh. I may I'm getting. Do you want me to check and see if there's a plus one on that for in, you? In nudge, nudge. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, and again, as for those football parties, our friends at Carver Steak have announced details of their big game viewing party. I'll spare you the joke about how super it sounds, blah, blah, uh -huh. blah. Just tell you, it does sound delicious. The highlight, a roasted prime rib carving station, but also prime beef sliders, Wagyu cheesesteak bites, jumbo prawn cocktails, salt and pepper chicken wings, loaded steak fries, a couple of salads, lots of liquor, and of course, plenty of cocktails, beer and wine. They, yeah, they actually list liquor separately from cocktails, beer, and wine. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> price there starts at $280 a person with um, upgrades, bottle service upgrades available in the booze department if their house offerings don't live up to your standards. Honestly, yeah. those house brands are looking pretty decent yeah, to me. Yeah. Bullet, for example, um, actually a special edition Bullet Bourbon. I could do that all night. As a longtime fan of the Trailer Park Boys, I always refer to them as the liquor drinks. The liquor drinks. The yes, liquor sir. drinks. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think that's about it. I want to thank all of our guests for. You don't want to tell us, us about your edibles? 
Oh my goodness, edibles! I keep forgetting about, about edibles. I there's some brain cloud fog. Uh, I am in brain well. cloud fog. I, I have to say, I basically, I, I um, over. We, okay, first of all, we didn't do an edibles review last week, and if if you yeah. noticed that, and if you're one of the people who were upset by that, it's because we were broadcasting live from car or not live, but you know, recording at Carver Steak, and I don't bring edibles into casinos. I just don't need the shit of anybody getting in trouble yeah. with the federal government. So, um, we skipped over that one last week. I had actually had a really interesting. I picked up a couple right. Right after we finished recording last week, I picked up a few that I was I figured, yeah, we double up for this week. I got these red velvet cookie squares from Vert. And um, again, these were baked goods. I did a fair amount of them during, <laughs> during my COVID. I was going to say, where I have the Oreos and the chip dip, you've got even more edibles. Well, I mean, the thing was, I needed to sleep. Yeah, and I was well, having yeah. a hard time sleeping at night. And, um, you know, it, it, yeah, you know what? I'm not making any excuses. No, I do no, a weekly edibles review. It's my review. Rona and I'll edible if I want to. Right. But they did help me get to sleep. And I liked them. Um, they were by Vert. They, they were, look, all of these baked goods, I always say they have a much stronger weed flavor than I, I like. I'd say I liked the texture, though, on this kind of red velvet. It was more of a, a real cake. I mean, with a lot of chemical preservative type stuff, you know, to keep it sort of, you know, whatever. But um, overall, as baked goods go, I liked the texture of this um, this red velvet, and I also liked the ability to sort of mask over the the weed taste. I also got these things. Um, they're just edibles, sour belt hybrids, and they kind of remind me of like those those candy ribbons you get as a kid. And maybe I'll talk more about these next week because I didn't do many of them. But Rich, you can see them. See how they're nice. Oh yeah, yeah, I, the disgusting uh, candy things that I never liked ever. Y yeah, and um, I I don't know. I'm not. Multicolored ribbon. I don't now. even like Neapolitan ice cream, much less you got about four or five rainbow colors in there. Yeah. Okay. Not that look. there's anything wrong with a rainbow symbol, but yeah. No, we love we love the rainbow symbols and the flat rainbow flags and rainbow unicorns and everything. But let me just take a bite off this. Yeah. A little tough, kind of hard to get it off. I mean, it's one long ribbon, which is 100 milligrams. They're clearly marked in 10 milligram. They're sweet and they're sour, and they yeah. taste like kids' candy. So, um. I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Um, you know, they I've never been a sour candy kind of fan, but yeah, I'll tell you that sour definitely masks the weed taste. So um, <laughs> yeah. and this is quadro quadro. Yeah, I don't know. They got all kinds of shit going on. They're really yeah. affordable, inexpensive if you want bang for your buck. But it's really not much of an eating experience. I mean, yeah, you might what? as well just put a drop of tincture on the back of your tongue at this point. A lot of sour. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, okay, but you're home and you're not driving anywhere, so you can blast that whole ribbon if you want to. If you want to, I took about just right now about three milligrams worth, so I'll still be able to work today. But hopefully, it'll. Um, of course, get... you will. <laughs> and that that COVID fog, yeah. No, just blame it on that. I can blame that on yeah. that. Okay, so that's about it for this week's episode. Thanks for bearing with us. I hope everybody out there is staying healthy, staying safe. Doesn't have to get the Rona, but I will tell you, with vaxes and boosters. It wasn't that bad. Yep. Rich, you want to tell people where they can find other information? I'll also say thanks to our guests, Diana Edelman of Vegan's Baby and Jill Campbell of the Fancy Food Show. Tell a friend about food and loathing. Say nice things about us and give us your feedback, whether it's nice or not. Find it all, all that you need to know about social and finding all that stuff at Al's website, the uh, brainfog.com. No, no, it's the neon mohawk. <laughs> Dot com or reach us direct by email info at 
foodandloathing.vegas. This is where you come in yeah, and I know. end the show. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini reminding you to stay hungry. Watch the brain fog. <laughs>